Donald Trump has not been a fan of the intelligence community. For months, he denied over and over and over and over and over again the intelligence community's conclusions that the Russian government actors were behind the WikiLeaks targeting Hillary Clinton. Now, Trump accuses the intelligence community of leaking information about a confidential briefing. Trump went on a rampage on Twitter against the intelligence community over the leaks. He said, quote, Intelligence agencies should never have allowed this fake news to leak into the public. One last shot at me. Are we living in Nazi Germany? Trump says the briefing did not include information from the now infamous BuzzFeed report that accused Trump of being in bed or peeing on the bed with the Russians. Director of National Intelligence James Clapper suggests that Trump was informed of such reports and says the intelligence community was not responsible for the leaks. So... Is the intelligence community at war with Trump? If so, that's no real shock. Commentators have said for months that anyone who attacks the intelligence community will find themselves on the wrong end of nasty leaks. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer threatened Trump, quote, Let me tell you, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday to get back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he is being really dumb to do this. And the left has accused the intelligence community of tossing the election to Trump as a way of targeting Hillary Clinton, thanks to FBI Director James Comey's announcement a week and a half before the election that Hillary's emails were still under investigation. This is actually kind of frightening stuff. The intelligence community is not its own government. Independent executive agencies that have access to classified information are inherently dangerous. They require a high level of trust to function well in a democracy. Pitting them against democratically elected political actors is a recipe for destroying both the credibility of the the intelligence community and the credibility of those government actors. It creates the perception that a shadow government has the power to destroy politicians and that they're willing to do so. And it appears that such fear isn't totally ill-founded. According to The Guardian, quote, the FBI applied for a warrant from the FISA court, that's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, over the summer in order to monitor four members of the Trump team suspected of irregular contacts with Russian officials. Is that legitimate? We don't know. Is it revenge on Trump for his constant stream of criticism of the intelligence community? We don't know. The gap that's growing between Trump and the intelligence community could cripple his presidency. It could also cripple our intelligence community. Most of all, it could cripple trust Americans have in government and the people tasked with keeping us safe. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All righty, so we have lots to get to today. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Dada-esque politics into which we have descended. Basically, Everything in politics is now a naked guy in a trash can spewing random words at you, and you have no idea what's going on, but you know that it's hilarious. That's, that's essentially what it's come down to. If you've never been to a, a piece of Dada theater, it's the most bizarre crap you'll ever see. It's always some random guy who, for no reason in the middle of the show, just gets nude and runs around, and then everybody cheers because they think that there's a deeper meaning underlying it. That's sort of what our politics has become, except we either root for or against the naked guy. That's pretty much what our politics is. We'll get to all of that in just a second. But first, we have to say thank you to our advertisers over at Lyft. So, my wife's a doctor. That means that sometimes she has to come home really late at night. And sometimes she has to come home really late at night uh, on days when she's not allowed to drive. So she takes Lyft. Lyft is the best car sharing service, the car ride service. Uh, that it, is, it is the top of the notch. And the reason that it's top notch, the reason it's the safest, is because Lyft drivers are rated after every single ride, so only the best people stick around. You don't have to worry about getting into a crappy car with some creepy dude. All of their cars, I think, have to be, have to be from the last five or six years. So the much newer vehicles, you're not going to show, and it's not going to be some dude in a rape van showing up to pick you up. Instead, it's going to be somebody who has been verified through a security check they do a 10-point safety standard, which includes criminal and DMV background checks. You know you're going to get around quickly and safely. You can also tip in the app, which means that they have happier drivers and happier customers. It's a better all-around experience. 
they do offer quality over quantity, and it's a great way to avoid drunk driving. It's a great way to avoid having to drive when you're really tired. You never have to bum ride. You never have to worry about parking. Lyft is fantastic service, and as I say, I trust my own wife's safety with Lyft, and she obviously does too. Right now, Lyft is offering our listeners here at the Ben Shapiro Show a special deal. You get three free rides up to $10 each, so a $30 value if you just use our promo code SHAPIRO. So you get to try it out, see how much you like it, and it is great. You're really going to enjoy it. Download the Lyft app and then enter promo code SHAPIRO in the payment section, and you get those three free rides. That's a $30 value. Again, promo code SHAPIRO lets them know that we sent you and also allows you to get those free rides from Lyft just for being a member of the Ben Shapiro Show audience. So thanks to Lyft, and make sure that you use their service. Download the app. Use promo code SHAPIRO. Okay, so the world is still falling apart over this whole BuzzFeed, CNN, Donald Trump hubbub. Everything is 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 crazy towns. And it seems like nobody has much of an interest in the truth. And as I said yesterday, and near the end of the show, usually politics takes place on a on a chart. And the chart goes like this. On the y-axis, top to bottom, you have Republicans to Democrats, right? And there are people who are anywhere on that spectrum. And then you have an x-axis. And on the x-axis, it is truth to falsehood. It's truth to non-truth. And it seems lately like the x-axis has disappeared. Nobody really cares about truth. And so today's show is going to be an exercise in showing just how little people seem to care about the truth or intellectual honesty or decency and how it's all turned into just partisan bickering and bashing each other, which doesn't do the country any good and isn't likely to inculcate any sort of trust in Americans for either the government or the political process, which, of course, leads to the rise of demagogues. And it's, it's, it's all very dangerous stuff. It's all not good stuff. Basically, here's my theory about how 2016 went. 2016, the Trump revolution, it really was all of the chickens coming home to roost. People didn't trust the media. Trump ripped the media. The chicken came home to roost. People didn't trust Obama. The chicken came home to roost in the form of Donald Trump. Lots of chickens coming home to roost. The problem is the left spent so long maintaining this facade that politics is decent while ripping away at the heart of politics, ripping away at truth and decency, lying routinely, ripping their opponents, but then putting this false facade of decency and smoothness on top that eventually people said, screw it, we don't need the facade anymore. This whole thing is a joke. All the chickens have come home to roost at once. And what that means is that there are too many chickens in the coop now. The whole thing is going to explode. All the chickens are pecking at each other and eating each other, and there's, there's not going to be any chicken left for supper because they're all going to cannibalize one another. And that's what we're watching right now. If it feels chaotic, it's because it is chaotic. So the media is cannibalizing itself. The, pol- uh, the, the politicians are cannibalizing each other. The media are cannibalizing the politicians. The politicians are cannibalizing the media. Now, normally, I really like conflict in politics because I think it keeps everybody honest. But what seems to be happening is because everybody has fallen into such partisan traps and refused to acknowledge any sort of truth at all, and even the notion of objective truth has gone away, instead what you have is chaos not in service of trying to get at the truth, but chaos for its own sake, chaos just for the team's sport of it. So we begin today with BuzzFeed falling apart. So BuzzFeed obviously made a mockery of itself by releasing this 35-page memo that includes all of these ridiculous allegations against President-elect Trump. Everybody was ripping them up and down. Not everybody, actually. Nate Silver came out and defended them, which is odd because I don't remember Nate Silver defending other people who released unverified rumors years ago. But nonetheless, most of the media are very unhappy with BuzzFeed for having released this 35-page memo. And for good reason. If you're the media and you're out to get Trump, then BuzzFeed is the worst thing that ever happened because BuzzFeed allowed Donald Trump to glom you all in with BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed allowed Donald Trump to play the the media's awful card, and that's a very powerful card to play. 
And he's right. BuzzFeed was awful. So Chuck Todd over at NBC News, he had on Ben Smith of, of BuzzFeed, and he asked him some questions as to why exactly he had released what even what even Chuck Todd is calling fake news. Um, don't you have a responsibility of not spreading false information? You are you. you did you do you are you knowingly spreading false information? I mean, I think as with the Obama birth certificate thing during the Obama campaign, this is an incredibly difficult balance that everybody in our business navigates every day. But you're there not publishing false a false, claims. you're not publishing. You are you're, quoting people saying. I understand, but you're did you publish a false birth certificate? You are, you, you, we certainly quoted the president of the elect of the United States making false claims about it. And years ago, we debated whether we should quote regular citizens in Iowa saying, you know, I don't believe his birth certificate. And I remember us thinking at first, we probably shouldn't, that we shouldn't pass that on. And then saying, you know what, this has become a force that is impacting the conversation. The information environment, fake news, are now these, they're factors in the conversation. They're but haven't you just participated? Navigate. I mean, it, it, look, the fake news thing has turned into this, you know. I think different kinds phrase. of information. But didn't you just, do, and, and I'm sure, I know this was not your intent. I've known you a long time. But you just published fake news. We just published a dossier. No, I think that's a really... Why is that not a throwing, Why is that an unfair description? I think people love to throw the term fake news around to, me, to, to diminish anything they of don't course. like. But I think this was a real story about a real document that was really being passed around between the very top officials of this country. And then the question you say is, okay, it's okay for you to check Todd to see this document. It seems to be there... there it's almost as if you're saying there was, there was only two choices you had here. Not publish or publish. There is a gray area. I understand this idea in this day and age that, that there are many readers that feel as if proof, show me that you have the goods. There is such thing as redaction. And you could have redacted. There are, you could have there said, are, here it is, and you know what? You didn't do many. You did That's very, correct. very few, and in some cases, not enough, as far as even, I, I believe, one of, one of the people who contributed. I mean, when Chuck Todd is tearing apart BuzzFeed, and for good reason, you know that things are wild, right? When Chuck Todd is suddenly the guardian of truth and justice in the media, you know that things are going crazy. So there are really two questions for, for, the, for the media today, and, and they all come back to the same question. Does the media owe Donald Trump an apology? Does the media owe Donald Trump an apology? So there are two issues here. And the reason I ask that is because, as we'll see in a minute, there are a lot of people demanding that CNN apologize to Donald Trump. So there are two things that happened yesterday that are controversial. One is the CNN reporter accosting Trump at the, at the press conference and yelling at him and Trump shutting him down. And the other thing is the actual CNN report. They own apology for the CNN report. So to give the background again, the CNN report claimed that intelligence community officials briefed Donald Trump. Right? They briefed Donald Trump on these rumors that were going around regarding his relationship with Russia. They briefed President Obama about that also. That basically, CNN reported that, that Trump received a summary of information contained in a series of memos uh, that talked about his relationship with Russia. CNN says that Trump was informed of this. Trump denies that. Director of National Intelligence James Clapper who was the one who supposedly gave the report, he released this statement today. He said, We also discussed the private security company document, which was widely circulated in recent months among the media, members of Congress, and congressional staff even before the intelligence community became aware of it. I emphasize that this document is not a U.S. intel community product. I do not believe the leaks came from within the intelligence community. This is his phone call with Trump today. The intelligence community has not made any judgment that the information in the document is reliable. We did not rely upon it in any way for our conclusions. However, part of our obligation is to ensure that policymakers are provided with the fullest possible picture of any matters that might affect national security. 
So Clapper seems to be backing up the CNN report, right? That's what that last sentence means. If he, why else would he say it's our obligation to ensure policymakers are provided with the fullest possible picture? That means that we showed Trump the document, right? We talked to Trump about the document. Trump denies that. Okay, so the CNN report, at the very least, is disputed. It is not an openly false report, as opposed to the stuff that BuzzFeed released, which is completely unverified and unverifiable, as even BuzzFeed acknowledges. So that's question number two. Does CNN have to apologize to Trump for that report? So we start with the first question. Should Donald Trump get an apology from a CNN reporter for this big blow-up yesterday in which Donald Trump shouted fake news at CNN? Here's what that blow-up looked like in case you missed it yesterday. It's a disgrace, and I think they ought to apologize to start with Michael Cohn. Since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Go since ahead. you're no, Mr. President-elect, go ahead. Mr. President-elect, since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you. Not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization you're, you are is attacking terrible. our news organization. Your organization. Can you give us a chance Let's to go. ask a question, sir? Go ahead, sir. Can Quiet. you state, Mr. President-elect? Go ahead. Can you state categorically, question. Mr. President-elect? Can you give us a question? Don't be you're rude. Attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you give us a question? I'm you, not going to give you a can question. You can you state categorically? You are fake news. Sir, Go ahead. can you state categorically that nobody... No, Mr. President-elect, that's not Go appropriate. Ahead. Okay, so this, of course, made all the rounds, and this made people very, very upset on the Trump side of the aisle. People were going crazy, saying CNN should apologize. Here's a congressperson who says that he wants Jim Acosta fired. That's the CNN reporter. It's Randy Weber from the 14th District in, in Texas. He says the CNN reporter who is disruptive to the press briefing and disrespectful to Trump should be fired and prohibited from any press briefings. And other people on the right have said this, too. So here is Sean's. So Sean Spicer says also CNN should apologize for this reporter shouting at him. Here is uh, the, the White House incoming press secretary. The office of president-elect of president of the United States deserves a level of respect. And having a reporter stand up and basically yell and scream and act as inappropriately and rude as he did is a disgrace. We're better than that. And he was an embarrassment to the press corps. Frankly, beyond the embarrassment that he caused to the president-elect, I think he's an embarrassment to the press corps. Because the, the rest of the press was behaving appropriately, raising their hand, asked to have questions asked. His network had already had a question answered. And I think he owes an apology not just to the president-elect, but to the entire press corps for his inappropriate behavior. Okay, and Sarah Palin put out a statement that was very similar, really, really going after this, this reporter from CNN and suggesting that these journalists ought to be slammed by Trump. It says, thank God, really literally, thank God we're not facing a third Obama term. If you caught President-elect Trump's first presser today, you saw it. Thank you for creating the movement that shook things up to get America on the right road. And then she says, these journalists, bad characters that they are, hurt our nation tremendously. They disrespect those who fought and died to protect America's freedom of the press. They spit on the graves of our veterans. We deem those reporters and their publications irrelevant now. Hope in this arena soars upon seeing a fearless leader take on injustice. Appreciation fills our heart when our new president exudes our collective red, white, and blue courage in the face of purveyors of yellow journalism. Press members have worked as a herd of lost, lazy little sheep. The herd is now decimated. And in interesting language. Uh, so, so she obviously is very thrilled with all that. And a lot of people are thrilled with Trump quashing this, this, this reporter, Jim Acosta. And a lot of people are very, very excited about all of this. Now, as I say, as I say, we'll get to sort of my response to, to all of this in a second. It's, it's very frustrating to lack intellectual honesty. And let's be real about this. There's a lack of intellectual honesty. When the press was kissing Obama's ass, everybody on the right was very upset about it. But when Matthew Boyle of Breitbart asks a question 
like this to Donald Trump, nobody on the right seems particularly upset. Here's Matthew Boyle of Breitbart asking a question to Donald Trump. Reforms do you recommend for this industry here? Well, I don't recommend reforms. I recommend uh, people that are uh, that have some moral compass. Uh, you know, I've been hearing more and more about a thing called fake news, and they're talking about people that go and say all sorts of things. But I will tell you, some of the media outlets that I deal with are fake news, more so than anybody. I could name them, but I won't bother. But. You have few sitting right in front of us. Okay, so the right, so the, the right responds to to all of this stuff with CNN and BuzzFeed by basically becoming what the left was to Obama. Right? You see, you see Matt Boyle just kissing Trump's rear. And again, you, we'll we'll talk in a second about the hypocrisy that exists on the right. Then we'll get to the hypocrisy that exists on the left, which is truly astonishing. It really is. But first, we have to say thank you to another one of our advertisers, CISO. So CISO is the best comedy service that you will ever buy. So for three ninety nine a month, you can get CISO. They have an endless supply of top shelf comedy. You're talking about all of the episodes of SNL, including back when it was actually really good. The Tonight Show starring Fallon with uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. They have all this commercial free. They have classics like Thirty Rock and Parks and Rec. They even have Saved by the Bell episodes, no commercials for any of this stuff. They have all the British comedies, the original Office, the Monty Python catalog, and they have a bunch of original series as well. They have a lot of stand-up. Louis C.K., who is a leftist but really, really funny. They have all of his stand-up comedy, the Hannibal Burris. They have uh, they have a bunch of people uh, who, are, who are really top-notch comedians. They have all of their specials available for $3.99 a month. If you're in love with comedy, you're not going to do any better than CISO. My wife and I are fans of that. They have a show called Harmon Quest, which is pretty funny. It's written by Dan Harmon, the guy who's behind Community, and it's a live action improv animated journey into a fantasy role playing. So it mocks the whole Dungeons and Dragons routine. Really, really funny series. Harmon Quest, you should check that out on CISO. Right now, if you go to CISO.com and you type in the promo code Shapiro, if you type in promo code Ben, then you will get a, a, a one month free. You get one month free, which is a pretty spectacular deal. You get to try it out for a month, see how much you like it. So you actually, I'm, I'm wrong. Actually, you get it free for two months when you use promo code Ben at checkout. So go to CISO.com right now. Two months free with from promo code Ben at checkout. That's CISO.com, promo code Ben. If you are a comedy addict, this is the place for you. It's, uh, it's ad-free. Again, it is, it's great stuff. CISO.com, comedy, and, and then the code is, uh, is Ben. All right, so, you know, I would like to just remind the, the right, but before they go completely nuts over, over this Jim Acosta routine where he said something to a reporter, and they say it's so great that Trump quashed it. Flashback, this is Neil Monroe. Neil Monroe is a, is a reporter for The Daily Caller, or was a reporter for The Daily Caller, and this is him at a press conference Barack Obama was holding back in 2013. Driven, patriotic young people. It is the, it is the right thing to do. Excuse me, sir. I, I, it's not time for questions, sir. <laughs> I, I, not while I'm speaking. Right, so that was that was Neil Monroe jumping in while Obama was talking and asking him a question as to why he was treating illegal immigrants better than American citizens. Tucker Carlson, who was you know kind of egging Sean Spicer along, calling for an apology from Jim Acosta. I'm old enough to remember when Tucker Carlson defended his reporter, Neil Monroe. In fact, he went ahead and he said that Neil Monroe was doing a service at the time. He said, quote, this is what reporters are supposed to do. They're supposed to get their questions answered. It's hard to know what's wrong with asking the president a question. 
So now the shoe's on the other foot, and of course, nobody cares about the truth, so we all have to pretend that something great and glorious happened here, as opposed to the CNN reporter asked a question, Trump ignored him. Trump has every right to do that. The reporter has every right to badger Trump. I like the adversarial relationship. I think it's actually something that's kind of good. Okay, so that's how the right responded. The left responded with similarly absurd, ridiculous hypocrisy. So here's how the left responded to all this. So Trevor Noah, the least funny person in America, he and Amy Schumer have been, and Lena Dunham have been in a three-way running gun battle for that title, the least funny person in the United States. Trevor Noah from Comedy Central, uh, he says that this was a frightening moment, that this, this moment at the press conference where Trump steamrolled Jim Acosta, that was a frightening moment. You know what, honestly, that was one of the most frightening moments of today's presser for me. Because in America, the press is supposed to be a check on the president, not the other way around. And you realize this is essentially the first step in the authoritarian tango. That's what you do. You shut down one news organization by alleging that it's all fake. That's your move, all right? And then if you get away with it, you can shut down another news order network. You know? And then you can shut down another news network, shut down another news network, shut them down, shut them down, until all that's left is breaking news. Has President Trump been working out? Okay, so I love the fact that the left is now suddenly on board with the idea that it's terrible to shut down news networks when Barack Obama was ripping Fox News regularly, wouldn't do an interview with them virtually the entire news cycle. When he was campaigning in 2008, he threw reporters he didn't like off his campaign plane. Now the left magically has discovered that it's bad when some of their own reporters come in Trump's crosshairs. Again, I want to show you, this is how the left responded to Neil Monroe. Remember, I just showed you the Neil Monroe video, and the right said, good for Neil Monroe. Here's how the left responded to Neil Monroe. This is from MSNBC at the time. There's actually been some genuine bipartisan agreement on Mr. Monroe's actions there. Um, I would hope so. I mean, no one questions the right of, a, of any American, but particularly a journalist, asking the president of the United States a question. Where Neil Monroe crossed the line by a mile is by questioning the president before he even finished, before he even finished speaking, one, and also yelling out a, at a question where he knew questions wouldn't be, wouldn't be entertained. Okay, shut up, Jonathan. Shut up. I'm asking you a question. No, I'm no, interrupting you. Uh, shut up. Um, Crystal, um, there are some true believers who are actually defending Mr. Monroe, as you know, and on Fox, they were suggesting a parallel with a moment from the Iran-Contra scandal where the press and Reagan had a similar kind of conflict. But as I understand it, he'd actually finished. Right. Similar except for one important thing, which is that he had actually finished his statement before the question was lobbed. But, I, you know, credit where credit is due. It's good to see some criticism from Fox News to Neil Monroe. Okay, so they're all happy that there is criticism of Neil Monroe. Now, Jim Acosta is the great hero of the same people on the left. I love how Jonathan Capehart basically implies that Neil Monroe's a racist for asking a question in the middle of Obama's statement, which is pretty incredible. We have to take a break on Facebook. Uh, if you want to see the rest, then you'll have to go over to dailywire.com and check it out there. Dailywire.com, become a subscriber for $8 a month. You can see the rest of this program. You can also be part of the mailbag. We only answer questions from people who are subscribers, and we'll answer live questions from subscribers a little bit later on the show, so you can check that out as well. Um, and so that will be very exciting. Dailywire.com. If you become an annual subscriber, you still get a signed copy of my book, True Allegiance. And I think we have another goodie coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, for annual subscribers as well. So go over and subscribe right now at dailywire.com. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. So we've discussed the hypocrisy of the right on this whole Jim Acosta confronting Trump routine. Oh, it's just so terrible. He should be fired. Yeah, crap. You didn't say that about Neil Monroe. And then you've seen the hypocrisy from the left on Jim Acosta 
You know, well, Jim Acosta's the best, but Neil Monroe, that guy was just the worst. That dude was just awful. And we can't believe that Donald Trump would attack the press this way. More hypocrisy from the left. Remember when Barack Obama was attacking Fox News in his speeches? Yeah, flashback a little bit. But you don't have to take my word for it. If you talk to somebody who said, well, I don't know, I was watching Fox News and they said this horrible. <laughs> and, you, and, 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 oh, you, and you can say, you know what? Don't take my word for it. Go. So there he is ripping Fox News. Was anybody talking about freedom of the press then, talking about how terrible it was? He basically just called Fox News fake news right there. For years, they called Fox News faux news in the left-wing press, F-A-U-X, right? It's fake news. That's literally what it means, fake news. They called it that for years, but Donald Trump called CNN fake news, and the world implodes. So again, hypocrisy on all sides on this particular issue. And then the final hypocrisy is, of course, from Trump himself. Trump goes after CNN for fake news. We'll talk in a second about whether CNN, whether their report was actually wrong or not, because there's some conflicting information about that. But Michael Moore, God love us, we're now in the, we're now in the realm where Michael Moore says something that is actually correct. Here's Michael Moore going after Trump and saying, dude, you don't really get to talk about fake news much. Fake news that he's one of the founders of in the Obama well, era. So <laughs> he, he created the fake news of the Barack the, Obama is not a citizen, and and he said he said there. that there was intelligence. That's right. He was he, called by a reputable called right, by a reputable source, right. source right. that there was intelligence. Right. He himself was going to he no. was hiring investigators yes. to 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 support. Fake news. In fact, he is the he is the godfather right. of this decade's fake news. Okay, that's not entirely untrue. I mean, even during the campaign, here's a flashback to Donald Trump. You know, as long as we're going to say unpopular things, we may as well show you the tape. Here's Donald Trump talking about the National Enquirer in the middle of the campaign. Do you categorically guarantee that nobody on your campaign, nobody tied to your campaign, had anything to do with this National Enquirer story? Totally. I had nothing to do with it. The campaign had absolutely nothing to do with it. Uh, he's got a problem with the National Enquirer. I have no control over the National Enquirer. I didn't even know about the story. I just got it last night. Somebody sent it to me over to read so I could at least see what said. I had nothing to do whatsoever with the National Enquirer, and neither did the campaign. And I will tell you, for him to try and say that I had to do with it, to try and put the shoe on the other foot is disgraceful. And then he went on and he talked about how the National Enquirer was a credible news source. He actually said that in the interview. The National Enquirer got the John Edwards thing right, so they're a credible news source. And by the way, the National Enquirer was the first paper to endorse Donald Trump in America. So, again, you know, th this whole thing just smacks of hypocrisy on all sides, and nobody cares about the truth. Trump doesn't care about the truth if the truth doesn't serve him. The press certainly don't care about the truth if, the if it doesn't serve them. The left wing doesn't care about the truth so long as the people who are questioning are people of the right. The right doesn't care about the truth so long as people who are questioning are of the left. None of that matters. So now let's talk about what's true. Now let's talk about what's true. I know this is a foreign concept. We've been living in partisan land for so long that we're not allowed to talk about truth anymore. But let's do something unique. Let's talk about what's true. So as I say, the CNN report was not the same as the BuzzFeed report. The CNN report said that the intelligence community reported to Donald Trump that there were, that there were these rumors going around, that there is intelligence... There are intelligence sources that were suggesting connections between Trump and Russia. And James Clapper releases a statement that basically backs that up. And Trump denies it wholesale. Here's Donald Trump's tweet on James Clapper. So I read you the James Clapper tweet. He says, James Clapper called me yesterday to denounce the false and fictitious report that was illegally circulated, made up, phony facts, too bad. Okay, now, is that true or is that not true? Is that what James Clapper said? James Clapper, in his statement, 
The actual text of James Clapper's statement, he said, quote, We discussed the private security company document. The IC has not made any judgment that the information in the document is reliable, and we did not rely upon it. Well, that's not quite the same thing as it's categorically false, is it? It says we didn't make any judgment on what's true and what's false. So you got Trump out there fibbing a little bit on that. And then because Trump is trying to destroy CNN, that's really what this is about. Trump really hates CNN, and I think for, for some good reason. He is he's conflating CNN's report with BuzzFeed's report, which is dishonest. BuzzFeed's dishonest. CNN, listen, there are plenty of times when I think CNN is dishonest. I, right here, I'm the guy who went on in the middle of the Gaza war and suggested that if Hamas could have a news network, it would look exactly like CNN. So you're not looking at somebody who's deeply in love with CNN. My bona fides are all in order when it comes to me smacking the media. Go search me on YouTube, okay? I've smacked everybody on MSNBC. I've smacked everybody on CNN. I've smacked some people on Fox News, too. When it comes to smacking people in the media who are dishonest and smacking particular networks like CNN, I have done it myself. But that doesn't mean that you get to be dishonest. Okay, so Kellyanne Conway is on with Anderson Cooper. And she's realizing that Donald Trump has gone too far in ripping on CNN, that he's, he's calling CNN liars based on shoddy information. And so she shifts the argument. Now it's not that CNN... It's not that CNN falsely reported the memos. Now it's that CNN linked to BuzzFeed. There's only one problem. CNN did not link to BuzzFeed. And you'll see Anderson Cooper try and try and get that out of Kellyanne Conway here. Do you acknowledge here and now that CNN did not release the 35-page unsubstantiated claims against Donald Trump and it was misleading and untrue for Sean Spicer to suggest otherwise? No, our incoming press secretary, Sean Spicer, was exactly right, as was the president-elect Anderson. CNN went first yesterday, and BuzzFeed went second. We didn't report CNN what released. BuzzFeed reported. I didn't say that you did, but you linked but Sean to Spicer it in said your story. We did. Let me just tell you, Anderson, let's back up. I know CNN must be feeling the heat today of having a headline yesterday at around 6.30 p.m. that said, quote, Intel chiefs presented Trump with information that Russia could compromise, Russia had information to uh, compromise him. That is just false. Uh, yeah, you again, you're conflating with BuzzFeed, what but Buzz... you went first. But no, you're I'm conflating, conflating nothing. I just know what CNN did. Anderson, you know, you're a responsible journalist. You've gone all over the world. You're widely respected. What's inaccurate about what you. CNN reported? Oh, my goodness, the whole headline. You, the, the, go read the entire story, four bylines, and a story that's just not true, that well, the president-elect CNN... was presented with this information, that it was appended in a two-page document to the briefing. Uh, NBC has said it was not. Other people have said it NBC... was not. So two things on that. Number one, we don't discuss the classified information that is presented in intelligence briefings. Well, you just That's said it wasn't why true. Closed door. Excuse me, but, but Anderson, if you just if you want me to talk, I know CNN is feeling the heat today. Uh, but I, I was you gracious guys are enough to come heat. on and discuss it. We feel what heat do we feel that that you've got this raw information, the, this complete ridiculous fake news? Actually, it's just fake. It's, it's not actually even been news. backed up by not only multiple words. sources, but no, but other news agencies, New York Times, okay, Washington. Well, you just I'm I'm surprised you so just want ahead. to argue with me. It hasn't been, it has not been backed up by credible news sources. And you know, as well as I do, that these rumors were running around for months. Every news outlet was chasing these rumors we're for not months talk, and we're decided not, not to. Anderson, because CNN went first and had this breathless report. Conway, what she's saying here is not true. Okay, forget about right and left. What she's saying here is not true. The CNN report was not the same as the BuzzFeed report. The BuzzFeed report is the unverified rumor she's talking about. She's attributing it to CNN so that she can wrap it all in the ball and pretend the entire media is out to get Trump on this particular issue when most of the media ripped into BuzzFeed over this and CNN's report was sourced differently than BuzzFeed's report. Okay, I'm sorry that the truth is uncomfortable sometimes. And you know me, I'm not interested in siding with CNN, particularly when they're wrong. 
But in this particular case, CNN, I can't, I'm, I'm still hard-pressed to see what CNN did that was wrong. They reported a story that was not only well-sourced, it seems now to be supported by, by Clapper himself, by the, the director of national intelligence. Maybe you want to say the Clapper's lying. But if Clapper's lying and CNN are lying and Trump's telling the truth, we have to see the evidence of that. We haven't seen evidence of that yet. Now it's just a he said, she said scenario and truth goes by the wayside. And if you hate CNN, you side with Trump. And if you hate Trump, you side with CNN. And nobody seems to care about what exactly happened here. That just doesn't matter anymore. And that's pretty egregious. Okay, in other news Trump made at the press conference yesterday, he talked about his separation from his businesses. And it was um, my, my first take on it yesterday when I was watching it was this isn't so bad. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought this isn't really a very good separation plan. So first of all, I just think this is kind of funny. Trump went up there during the press conference and he put up a table that was filled with manila folders that had documents in them. And you couldn't see any of the documents, right? You couldn't see what was in there. And he said, these are all, these are all the contracts in here, all the contracts that show I'm separating out from my businesses. People, we're separating out from the businesses. Look at the documents, right? There is only one problem, okay? Here's a picture of the documents. Okay, the Trump team did not allow the press to see the contents of the folder. Okay, they didn't allow the press to look at the contents of the folder. Now, I'd like for you to look at the, at the contents of those folders. Do those look like printed sheets to you? Does it look like none of the folders are labeled? Okay, first of all, none of the folders are labeled. So if I were going to file a bunch of contracts, I'm a lawyer, okay? I used to work in a law firm. We, set, we had contracts all the time. You put them in folders, and they were labeled. And they didn't look like that. I'm just saying. They, they, is, is it possible that that's blank stuff? Well, if it weren't blank stuff, I wouldn't see why exactly they're so upset. Like, why do you put a prop out there that you won't even allow people to look at? That's the whole point of the prop. If I put a prop out here, if I bring my facts don't care about your feelings mug, it's because I want you to see what's on the mug. It's a beautiful mug, by the way. Okay, I, I'm, yeah, I'm more than happy to show you what's here on my desk, right? These are some of our ad reads right here. This is the mailbag. Like, we've got lots of stuff on the desk, and I'm happy to show it to you, particularly if I'm trying to prove a point about transparency. Meh. So, that, so they, they put out these folders that are not even labeled, and then they don't let anybody take a look inside. And he said in there, he's like, you can come up and take a look at these, but don't, please. Please don't do that. Okay, so Trump announced his business separation. Here's what he had to say about his separation from his businesses. People have learned a lot about my company, and now they realize my company is much bigger much more powerful than they ever thought. We're in many, many countries, and I'm very proud of it. And what I'm going to be doing is my two sons, who are right here, Don and Eric, are going to be running the company. They are going to be running it in a very professional manner. They're not going to discuss it with me. Again, I don't have to do this. They're not going to discuss it with me. And with that, I'm going to bring up Sherry Dillon, and she's going to go, these papers are just some of the many documents that I've signed, turning over complete and total control to my sons. Okay, but he didn't let anybody look in the folder, so there's that. But he, he says that, and then he says that basically the way this is going to work is no foreign deals. The Trump Corporation is not going, Trump Inc. is not going to do foreign licensing deals. They're only going to do domestic deals. He's handing it over to Don and Eric. Don and Eric are, are going to take control of the business. And, uh, and all of their deals uh, will be subject to, to public scrutiny, presumably, but he's not going to have any part of this. Then, he which, which sounds like, mm, 
okay, maybe, right? Even that's not like perfect. He could theoretically, as as uh, Rich Lowry pointed out to me yesterday, he could theoretically just appoint a third party neutral arbiter who we all respect as sort of a business trustee to run his business, and then we'd all go, okay, fine. That person has no relationship. You know, he puts somebody in charge, like some some firm. He puts Bain Capital in charge of his business, and then we all just kind of go home and say, okay, fine. They're in charge now. He has no relationship. Instead, it's still a closely held corporation. It's still his sons in charge of it. Uh, and then at the very end, he drops this little line. Buddy, so this is all, just so you understand, these papers, because I'm not sure that was explained properly, but these papers are all just a piece of the many, many companies that are being put into trust to be run by my two sons. And I hope at the end of eight years, I'll come back and I'll say, oh, you did a good job. Otherwise, if they do a bad job, I'll say, you're fired. Goodbye, everybody. So that last line right there, he throws that off as a joke that he's going to leave it there for eight years, then he'll come back and take back over the business. He's going to pick it back up. Now, here is the problem with this little routine. Here is the big problem. I, am, I mentioned this yesterday. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Daily Wire. If I go on vacation and I say to our managing editor, I want you to run the site for a week. If you do a crappy job and I come back and I see the traffic has dropped by three quarters, you fight it. Who's really in charge of The Daily Wire? Is it the managing editor or is it me? Well, it's me because I still have the power to fire, correct? Beyond that, you assume that when Trump Inc. makes a big deal with some other corporation that Trump's going to know about it. So Trump says, I won't know anything that's going on, Don and Eric, they won't tell me what's going on. Yeah, except that if there's a big headline on the front page of the New York Times, Trump Inc. signs contract with AT&T to build the new AT&T Center in Charlotte, right? You figure that Trump's probably going to read that. How do you think Trump's going to treat that next time the AT&T people come to him for permission to merge with Time Warner? Like, and they say, we want to, we want to make a deal with Time Warner. How is that going to go? Hey, that's why this is so, it really is a sticky wicket. It's not easy to solve, but this is insufficient. And the Office of, of Government Ethics has said that it's a pretty insufficient policy. So listen, I hope that there's never any conflict. I hope that, that Trump operates this in the cleanest possible manner. I don't think that Trump is looking to personally enrich himself off of the presidency. He's a very rich man to begin with. I assume that after he's president, lots of people will want to buy his brand still. So, you know, I don't think that that's what's going on. But if you want Trump to avoid the appearance of impropriety, eh, this doesn't exactly work. This doesn't exactly work. Meanwhile, Good news, the Democrats still don't know what to do. The Democrats are still floundering around out in the middle of the ocean like a bunch of crazy people. So they have, uh, they have decided that they are just going to call everybody racist still. They're, they're, they're going to double down on that particular strategy. So Cory Booker, who's running for president in 2020, Democrat from New Jersey, he, uh, he actually testified against Senator Jeff Sessions, the, the guy that Trump picked for attorney general. And he has nothing new to say. Now, normally when you go and testify, it's because you have, like, testimony, right? Like you're going to give new information. Booker just goes there and he says... As a black man, I think Jeff Sessions shouldn't be attorney general. And the media go, "Woo! Awesome!" Here's Curry, uh, Cory Booker doing some uh, some race baiting. His record indicates that a time that even the FBI director is speaking out against implicit racial bias in policing and the urgent need to address it at a time when the last two attorney generals have taken steps to fix our broken criminal justice system. At a time when the Justice Department he would lead, he would lead, has uncovered systemic abuses in police departments all over the United States, including Ferguson, including Newark, Senator Sessions would not continue to lead this urgently needed change. Called a, called a hero for doing all of this. If the left thinks that their intersectionality politics, this politics with the hierarchy of victimhood, that's going to continue to work. 
in the in the post-Obama era, it, it isn't. It simply isn't. And the attempts to crown Cory Booker early because they need to cobble together this cross-racial coalition again in the Obama mold, I don't think that's likely to work. Okay, time for some things I like, then some things I hate and mailbag. So, things I like, we're talking about really kind of good classic uh, television series. We did Fargo yesterday, which uh, is excellent. Uh, and uh, today we do The Wire. How many people here have seen The Wire? And we have any people who are fans of The Wire? Okay, if you haven't seen The Wire, The Wire is kind of the granddaddy of excellent TV dramas. So, um, yeah, TV moves so fast, I say it's the granddaddy. It came out like six years ago. But in any case, um, it's, it's a, the, the whole thing is based on David Simon's book, Homicide. Uh, it's about the Baltimore Police Department and how they handle drug crime in the city of Baltimore. It's extraordinarily realistic. Uh, it's about internal bureaucratic workings. Uh, it's, it's really detailed. Uh, how they how to bust a drug ring it gives humanity to the to the criminals it gives humanity to the cops it's a really well-rounded show uh, here's a little bit of the trailer from season one of the wire avon barksdale stringer bell barksdale has five out of seven towers on the terrace that's 10 stairwells and five high-rises going 24 7 for dope and coke Bye, bus. I want to get in and out as quickly as possible. These guys are good. They're deep. They're organized. They got everyone on the terraces running scared. What do you suggest? Surveillance teams, DNRs, asset investigation. Keep gathering string till we can find a way in. You think Bob will care about getting? It's it's a really uh, it's a really good. Uh, a really, really good show, really realistic show, uh, and much better than than some of the other you know supposed crime dramas like Law and Order. It's not episode to episode; it's it is a through line all the way through, and they trace sort of how these these operations work. This is sort of the beginning of where serialized television comes from, and The Wire is an excellent, excellent show. I think it came out like two thousand three, maybe two thousand three, two thousand four. Okay, other things that I like. So ten- Senator Tim Scott already has one tweet of the year for twenty seventeen. Some idiot tweeted at him. Uh, uh, William Smith is a, a senator, uh, and Tim Scott are House N words, right? Meaning that they are there because they're voting for Jeff Sessions. They're House N words, which is an insult uh, for for black people who are slaves and working in the House, uh, and because they were because they were kissing up to the white folks. So it says William Smith and Tim Scott are House N words, and Tim Scott tweets back Senate. It's just amazing. That's fantastic trolling by Senator Tim Scott. Kudos to him. Good Trump, by the way. Here's another here's another piece of, of good Twitter news. So leftists are now pushing a boycott against L.L. Bean because the founder supports Donald Trump. So Trump has now tweeted out, thank you to Linda Bean of L.L. Bean for your great support and courage. People will support you even more now by L.L. Bean. I love that. I think that's great. So normally I don't like when Donald Trump interferes with business. This is an exception when people are boycotted for political reasons. Good for Trump for standing up on behalf of L.L. Bean. By the way, these boycotts always fail. They're always stupid and they always fail. Um, And this is just another one that is destined to fail. Okay, time for some things I hate. So I don't know why celebrities have lost their minds so much. I mean, I do, but they, they've completely lost their minds uh, uh, this time around. And now they feel the need to put out an, a video every other week that is them repeating the same word over and over against a black background. And so W Magazine did one of these for celebrities. These celebrities said that they were, they, they actually said this. They said that they were all very, they're all Hillary Clinton voters and they're all very upset that Donald Trump was elected. And so they did a version of celebrities singing, I will survive. Meaning, I will survive the Donald Trump time in office. And these are all big celebrities, and here's what it looked like. What are you going to sing today? I am going to sing I Will Survive. By Gloria Gaynor. This is going to be interesting, guys. 
It may, it may get too real. I'm not sure that I will survive, but that's what we're going to do. <laughs> oh no. First I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong. And I learned how to get along. And so you're back. You have to march from I outer space. Say. I just walked in and to Chris find Pine. you here with that sad look upon water. your face. I should have changed that stupid lock. And I should have made you leave your key. If I'd known for just one second. That you'd be back movies. to bother me. Go on now, go. And Andrew Garfield. Walk out the door. Just turn around now. Because you're not welcome anymore. Weren't you the one who tried to hurt me with goodbye? Did you think I'd crumble? Do you think I'd lay down uh, and die? No, no, not I. Uh, I will survive. So I love uh, the, oh, the, the juxtaposition. At some point, we're going to have to grab the, the celebrity fight song versus this, right? Because they did a celebrity fight song, and Amy Adams, I think, was in that, too. Uh, and, uh, and now they went from the fight song to I will survive, just trying to keep alive. And um, it's delicious. It's just wonderful and hilarious in every way. And I'm enjoying every single second of the celebrity meltdown. First of all, does anyone doubt they're going to survive? I mean, you're some of the richest people in America. And they're rich because they read lines that other people wrote for them. I have a feeling they're going to be just okay. Most of them have houses in, like, Venice or France. And here, and here they are complaining about, oh, I'll survive. Yeah, you're the real victims here, gang. It's you. You're the victims of, of the, Trump, the, new, the incoming Trump administration. It's going to be all about how terrible it is for you. Under Donald Trump, uh-huh, got it, all right. So that's, so that's hilarious. Uh, Samantha, other things I hate. Samantha B., uh, who is, you know, it's funny. I keep forgetting people who are in the final four of anti-comedy. The final four of anti-comedy, I think it's Trevor Noah, Lena Dunham, Amy Schumer, and Samantha B. Those are in the final four of anti-comedy. I think they hold the final four. It was scheduled for Charlotte, but they moved it because of the transgender law. The final four of anti-comedy is now scheduled to take place in Jacksonville, Florida, for some reason. Uh, and you'll see Amy Schumer actually go fisticuffs with Lena Dunham, two potatoes fighting one another, and you'll see Trevor Noah and Samantha Bee slapping at each other with purses. So Samantha Bee is attacking Jeff Sessions. Again, no evidence whatsoever, but she piles on Jeff Sessions, and then she, she dumps this line. Pointies. Bannon, Michael Flynn, and Sessions as Attorney General, I believe, are the first steps on in taking America show. back. Jeff should be flattered. David Duke is really selective about who he likes. I personally do not believe Jeff Sessions hates black people, and I don't really care about something he said 30 years ago. He's a 70-year-old white guy from Alabama. There's a good chance he's dropped an N-bomb or two in his life, and that's not even counting when he sings along to his favorite Outcast album. Uh, it's I amazing to me that this is considered comedy, first said of all. Second yesterday. of all, the implication that anybody who's lived in the South, all Southerners are a bunch of racists, it turns out that by polling data, Southerners are no more racist than Northerners. Like, really, by, by Rasmussen and Gallup polling data, there's this myth that everybody, in, every white person in the South is Bull Connor and every white person in the North is Atticus Finch. It's just a bunch of crap. But this is the sort of thing they drop. She has no evidence Sessions is a racist, but I'll proclaim that he said the N-word anyway. Just delightful, delightful people. It's no wonder that race relations in the country have declined markedly under President Obama. You know, Obama said in his goodbye speech that race relations were better than they were 10 years ago. Here is a poll that demonstrates that this is not true. So here is the poll. Race relations in the United States, Washington Post, ABC News, July 20, we'll start with April 2009. 66% of Americans say race relations are generally good in April 2009, according to Washington Post, ABC News poll. July 2016, generally good, 32%. Generally bad, 63%. 
yeah, I'm going to go with race relations are getting worse. And one of the reasons they're getting worse is because of the insistence by Barack Obama and folks on the left that any opposition must be rooted in racism and everybody on the right must be a racist, even if you have no evidence to label them as such. Okay, we'll do a few questions from the mailbag and blow through our allotted time. So here we go. Uh, Kenneth, do we have mailbag graphics or no? No? Uh, Screw it. Okay, we're just going to do the mailbag. All right. Kenneth Limbach says, did you learn Hebrew and English at the same time or one before the other? Uh, English first, my Hebrew is still mediocre at best. I can understand like 65, 70% of what's said to me if it's not spoken too quickly. Um, my, my speaking is slow because I have to still for, uh, conjugate verbs in my mind. Patrick says, given the process of in vitro fertilization can involve the deliberate fertilization of multiple eggs to create multiple unborn children, embryos, with the explicit intention of simply throwing away the ones deemed unneeded if the first attempt at implantation is successful, in, is in vitro fertilization as immoral an act as outright abortion? Thanks. Love the show. This is a really complex moral question. What I will say is I don't think I think there are gradations of morality in abortion. I think abortion is an evil. I think that late term abortion is more evil than early term abortion, even though I think all abortion is evil. Um, as far as the as far as in vitro fertilization, you know, what I've said before is that in vitro fertilization, if I, if God forbid, my wife and I had trouble conceiving and we were looking at in vitro fertilization, what I would do is I would actually request that only one egg be fertilized at a time or as many eggs as my wife could carry. And then if it cost more money, it cost more money because I think it's a serious moral issue. I think that, that fertilizing the egg and then, and then aborting it uh, is a serious moral quandary, not something to be taken as uh, not something to be taken lightly. But there's some complexity to this. Does intent matter? Does it matter that does it matter that you're intending to create a child as opposed to destroying a child? Uh, does it matter that some of the embryos can, can be frozen for later? You know, there, there, are, there are a lot of gradations to this. My generalized take is that not, every, not all evils are created equal. That said, if it were me, I'd be looking at in vitro fertilization in which I would implant the number of embryos that my wife was willing and capable of bearing to term, uh, not implant with the purpose of destroying uh, extras, uh, extra embryos. Rivka writes, I have a 12-year-old student named Benyamin Ben Shapiro with dark hair and the same skin complexion as you. No, he is not my son, gang. Uh, he's the most informed one in the class. Whenever I tell a story about the Parsha, he adds in a bunch of mafarshim. That is, uh, that is commentaries in Hebrew. Uh, he's not religious. I can already see he's a genius. He wants to go to law school. It's like having a mini you in the class. Could you give him a shout-out? He would be floored. Yes. H- hello to Benyamin Shapiro, me from back in time. Your life is going to go swimmingly. You will marry an extraordinarily hot woman and have very cute babies while being monetarily successful. That's my message to me back in time. Okay. Vasista Sri Rama writes, if you had the chance, what civilization would you choose to be part of, and would you rather experience the rise of that civilization or its collapse? Uh, I choose to be part of this civilization. It's the best civilization in the history of humanity. Uh, as far as would you rather experience the rise of that civilization uh, or its collapse? Well, on a material level, you would always rather experience the collapse of a civilization than its rise. That's because the rise of a civilization involves growth. Right? In order for civilization to be rising, you have to be not at the apex. The collapse of civilization, it depends where in that stage you are. If you're right past the apex, imagine civilization is like a giant hill, Right, the path of civilization. Would you rather be at the bottom of the hill or would you rather be at the top of the hill but on the wrong side of the hill? So in material terms, you'd rather be at the top of the hill but on the wrong side of the hill. In ideological terms, it's always more interesting and fun to be part of the rise of a civilization that's growing and beginning to grow into its power. Now, do I think that America is in collapse? No, I don't think America is in collapse. I think we're at a turning point. I think we're on razor's edge right now, and every decision that's made is a crucial one. Uh, but yeah, if, you're, if you're talking about, I think that America, it's possible for a, a, a 
it's possible to have what we call a double, it's not a double dip, it's a double double peak civilization. So if you're worried that we're in collapse, I think that we can have new heights, but we're going to have to reshift into growth mode as opposed to enjoying the collapse, watching the bread and circuses. Uh, Brett writes, Hey, Ben, I live in rural Pennsylvania, and the heroin epidemic has hit our area hard. We're an old steel town with a significant underemployment problem. Is this a problem of idle hands will wander that can be fixed with better job opportunities, or are there larger societal problems to blame? Well, both. Both. So, yes, better job opportunities obviously creates less depression, less incentive for people to get involved in the drug trade and start trying out drugs. But I do believe that that addiction, while it's a while it's an illness, while addiction is, is a mental illness, uh, I do believe that your original decision to stick a, a needle in your arm is not an addiction, right? Your original decision is not that, and it requires a family structure and a firm grounding of morality not to engage in that. The collapse of the family is the single greatest predictor of drug use and non-success. I think that that's the most likely uh, thing to blame here. Uh, and and I agree with the basic premise that's been laid down by people like Kevin Williamson that if you're living in a town that's dying, you should try to get out of that town as soon as possible. To, there, mobility is still possible. It's the price of a bus ticket. Uh, you, should, you should try and figure out a way to get out of dying towns and toward thriving areas where you think you have a better shot at success, which is a very difficult thing to say, but it's been true throughout American history. There's no reason that should change now, especially when travel – and relocation are much cheaper and easier than they've ever been in the United States. Dean writes, Ben, is it legal to record or write down what professors say in the classroom to expose how one-sided they are? Well, writing it down for sure, because you can always take notes. There's no reasonable expectation of privacy. Typically, my understanding is it depends on the state, that the, the state law in California, for example, is you're allowed to record something where there's no reasonable expectation of privacy. So if you record me speaking in a classroom, then I don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy. That shouldn't be a problem. Normally, it's a two-part a consent state. If you and I are on the phone, you have to ask my permission, but that's not true as far as your professor. Check the state law where you're in, but that's a general rule of thumb. Justin says, with the left's proclivity toward diversified acceptance in seemingly all areas, with the exception of intellectual diversity, what are your views on forcing all people to use proper pronouns? Well, if you have doubts on my views about forcing people to use proper pronouns, I suggest that you Google Ben Shapiro Zoe Tur. And you'll see how that goes exactly. Uh, no, I don't think that anyone has a right to tell me how I ought to refer to them. I don't think you have the right to do that. You know, you can do whatever you want. It's a free country. If you want to call yourself transgender and call yourself a woman and you're a man, that's your prerogative. But you do not get to, you do not get to tyrannize my mind and colonize my mind by suggesting that I must now call you whatever you choose because that's silliness. And it's, and it's not only that, it's ideological fascism. Okay, final question. Chris writes, I recently watched a 60 Minutes episode discussing the inequality between male and female U.S. soccer team. The female players were really upset because they were not being paid as much as their male counterparts, even though they had a better performance record. The conclusion drawn at the end was a simple one. Pay them equally or more based off performance. My conclusion was different, to say the least. In the spirit of fairness and equality, shouldn't we disband the men and women's soccer team? Then we could hold open tryouts, and everyone who's the best would play. Isn't that what real equality looks like? Well, yes, that's, that's a great point, Chris, and obviously that, um, that demonstrates the stupidity of this particular argument. The reason that men are paid more to play soccer is because men are better at soccer than women are, and if you don't believe that, look at the Australian women's soccer team. They played a high school team and lost 7 nothing. a high school boys team and lost 7 nothing in Australia. That's not a rip on any of these women as far as people say, well, they can play better than you. Right, I'm not a professional soccer player. I assume that they can play better than I can. I mean, really. But they've tried to have a women's professional league in the United States. It has failed over and over and over again. The WNBA to take another sport. No one watches that. Their, their average nightly attendance is 7,000. 
Okay, just by way of contrast, we have well over 200,000 people who listen to this podcast every single day. So nobody listens to their, no, nobody watches their programming. They have to be sponsored by the NBA. The reason that people pay more to watch men play soccer is because it's more interesting to watch people who are better at soccer play soccer. It has nothing to do with sex. It's a, the, honestly, is it any wonder? Uh, this is not sexist. This is just an observation about human nature, and, about, and it is a true observation. The reason that women's soccer became large in the United States is because Brandi Chastain scored a, a World Cup winning goal and then stripped off her shirt and went on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a sports bra. Okay, that was the five minutes where men pretended that they were interested in women's soccer. And the truth is that men are more interested in sports generally than, than women are. So unless you can draw women into women's soccer watching that all the time. This is not a rip on girls playing soccer, by the way. I hope my daughter plays soccer. I hope she plays tennis. And by the way, women's tennis players, I think there's a case to be made they should be paid more. Because women's tennis players are actually real, not only really good, they're not as good as the men, but people actually like watching women's tennis in a way that they're not interested in watching women's soccer. Some of that may have to do with the short skirts, but... Nonetheless, that's, that's just the way it is. You know, the market exists for some products. It doesn't exist for other products. And when it comes to soccer, the skill level matters. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of the week. That week moved by really fast, actually. And that, the week moves by faster when you're watching Cirque du Soleil, except everybody's on fire and people are peeing on each other. So, you know, we, we can look forward to more of that next week. And I think for all time, actually, I think we can look forward to this for, for several more years. So that's the good news. The bad news is we've reached the weekend, so you'll have to survive without me. Try not to ruin things while I'm gone any further than they've already been ruined. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 